Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we take a thrill ride through the 90s and weigh in on Netflix changes. Plus we talk Ragnarok's teaser and get mind boggled by the first season of Legion. It's time for a top three turf war. A new movie called Unforgettable comes out this Friday. We've seen a resurgence of thrillers trickle into the 2010s, but none seem to have hit it big. This one, Rosario Dawson and Katherine Heigl. Could it be the movie to bring back that 90s thriller that we love so much? Oh, I love that 90s thriller. Speaking of which, we're in a top three turf war. I wonder what we're going with. We're going with 90s thrillers. 1990s thrillers. There is something different about a 1990s thriller than, than any, any other. other year. Totally. And, they, and, and the 2010s really had them. There was that one with Beyonce. Maybe that was the 2000 and somethings. But like the one with Obsessed. Beyonce. Yeah. Okay. And then that one with uh, Jennifer Lopez when she sleeps with her student or her neighbor or something like that. That was like this two years ago. That was the, uh, the boy next door. Yeah. And then this one. But all these new ones, I mean, so far anyway, they aren't exactly what I would call great films. No. And they're not sticking. They're not sticking. So, but they're clearly trying again. We have both compiled a list of our top three Top 1990s, the whole decade thrillers. We are going to count them off one by one, and then we are going to make our final list. Ivana Kingston. My number three choice is Basic Instinct. Woo! So, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious why this is on my list. Just that single scene when she is in that room and just crossing and uncrossing her legs I mean, that is referenced to this day. This is what, like 25 years after the movie was made. Um, it is still parodied today. The movie actually is a really cool story. It's kind of that noir-esque mystery where you just don't know what's going on. And you are on the edge of your seat the whole way through. I can't remember this movie. What? I saw it once. I know I enjoyed what I saw. Yeah. But I also had heard a lot about it, so I think I even knew about the ice pick beforehand and her femme fatale nature. But I, I'm, I'm trying to get a vision of this movie in my head, and I can't. I'll admit, so, I, I like it's not a movie I've, I've seen it maybe two, three times. But it's on Netflix, so it is on. Netflix. In research for this, I have added it to my watch list. Nice. I'm probably gonna download it to my phone and maybe watch it. All really grossly on the subway to and from work and be like, I'm hidden in the corner, not watching anything, not watching anything because it is very seductive. So my number three, Kiss the Girls. I don't even know what this movie is. So Kiss the Girls has a couple of things that are very 1990s. One, it stars Ashley Judd. Yeah, and she was big <laughs> in those movies. She may have been like the queen of the thrillers. Oh, yeah. So uh, it stars Ashley Judd as a girl who's taken by a serial killer, held amongst all these other women, but she gets out. And with the help of Morgan Freeman, they try and track down the killer, and it's got like everything a good thriller needs. There's a mystery. She's kind of being stalked she's remembering things, but she's also like, you don't know what's real and what's not real that she's remembering. Nice. 
And of course, you got to have a big twist ending. Nice. I, I have nothing really to add to it because I've not seen it. You've this, not seen it. Yeah. But it sounds good. All right. My number two is The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Okay. I have never seen The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. I actually recently rewatched it in the last few years because I really like the 90s thriller and I realized I only saw this as like a kid and I don't really remember it. Um, it's and it great. held up. Oh, it wow. Held up. Yeah. Okay. It is a really great movie. It's what I love about it is the the sort of nuclear family aspect in some ways. I think that looking at it now it does feel dated in the sense of you can tell it's the 90s, but I think that's partly because we don't hold the nuclear family in that high regard anymore. Right. And um I just I like it. I like that aspect of it. It's all about the threat of the woman coming into your home and all that kind of stuff. And Plus, is she bad for the baby? Is she trying to steal the baby? What is the what's I'll, the I'll, deal? I'll give you a scene. Yeah. And uh, she starts. So she's a nanny for the baby. Um, and there is a scene where she breastfeeds the baby. So she's trying to take this baby kind of she's trying to push out the mother of the family and replace her essentially okay so it's that perfect 90s thriller it really set the tone for the relationships of like one woman is marked as crazy another woman is actually the evil one trying to take over her life the husband is unaware and innocent in it all and in the end, he has to choose. Who does he believe? Oh, my God. So it's pretty fun. And, of course, twist ending is there. Um, you are definitely suspended all the way out. Instead of a stalker, you do have your own version of a stalker where someone's trying to oust you out of your own life. Yeah. Oh, all yeah. those things. Yeah. She is the bad guy in the film. Totally. My number two, Primal Fear. Nice. So Primal Fear, you got Richard Gere, Laura Linney. You got Edward Norton, and it's all about this death of this priest, and it's this horrible thing that's happened. But was this priest a bad guy? Did he hurt kids? Did he hurt kids like Edward Norton? Or not? We don't know. And this is kind of a a courtroom trial. And Richard Gere has been assigned this case, and this is the case that's going to make him. He doesn't even care. If a, if it happened or it didn't, he's getting all this notoriety. And you start really liking Edward Norton. Oh, this, he, he didn't do this. He could not have done this. Honest to God, this movie, I don't want to say anything more. This movie blew my mind when I was in high school. It blows my mind to this day. It's from 1996. I have it. I've watched it over and over. I love Primal Fear. I, I've seen the movie and I remember really liking it, but I, I was so long ago. I was so young. I don't actually remember any of the story. So it sounds like I need to rewatch. That's definitely one to rewatch. I've seen it many, many times. So what is your number one thriller? I'm, I'm actually, I'm very curious because I don't even know if I've seen it. I actually don't think that you have. Maybe. I don't okay, know. Okay, go. The Game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen The Game. Two of your movies have Michael Douglas. He is the king, I guess. If Ashley Judd is the queen, Douglas is the king. Yeah, that is exactly it. So I, I don't know. I love this movie. It's uh, David Fincher. So you've got a really complex plot. You have a very simple setup, though. And it's really fun as it kind of goes into everything. Like as you're like, wait a minute, is this a game? Is this not a game? 
is this just what he paid for or is this now real? And you kind of go into this like wormhole of what is going on right now. Is Michael Douglas's life actually at stake or not? And I, I just, I really like this movie. It's so much fun. I love this movie a lot, but when he ends up in Mexico, it loses me. Ah. At that point, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Well, he's rich, right? So he could just. Well, end he up just, in he's trying to escape the game yeah. and goes to Mexico. And he enters a bar, and I think that's what happens. He enters a bar, and people are still like, "It's still the it's game. still going on." Yeah, I don't know. It it feels like a two like all of a sudden the movie shifts, and I'm like, "Man, this is." But you can see the setup to Fight Club. Totally. You literally watch. Oh wow. Okay, so he went here, and people know about it. He went here, and people know about. It. It's like Fight Club. It totally. Yeah, it's like Fight Club. Interesting. It's also just, it's a movie that's really fun to rewatch because like the more you rewatch it, the more you see these little hints all throughout it. Of course. Yes. It lends to rewatchability. So the game and Basic Instinct are both on my honorable mentions, which we will get to. Mm. But just so you know, like Basic Instinct, I just didn't remember too much. And the game throws me at that halfway mark. So I, I was like, ah, I like these movies better. Um, but don't think I miss them in my honorable mentions. But my number one movie. Going Scorsese, going De Niro, Cape Fear. So this one I watched for the very first time only last year. Me too. And I, I freaking loved it. Loved it. It, it scared me. It was way more violent than I expected it to be. When he stows away on the bottom of the car and then he gets on the boat at the end. Fuck, it was good. So good. And he's telling him what he's going to do to the, oh my God, to Juliette Lewis. Like that movie blew me away. And I could, I, like, I couldn't even believe it was Scorsese. It's so different. But you have pretty brutal characters and that is very Scorsese. That is Scorsese and the violence and the ultra violent. That, totally. I never thought I'd see Robert De Niro play someone like that. It's like he took really? his taxi driver role and then amped it up. To this point where every time you saw him on screen, you were so uncomfortable. I, I think young De Niro, it's totally what I expect from young De Niro. That it, like he, he's capable of all this and more. I think it's older De Niro that got pigeonholed. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. We haven't seen anything new from De Niro in, oh man, I want to say like 10 years. Right. But is that because he was not given the right roles? Like- you know, people only want to cast him. A I think they thing only want to what. cast him a certain way. Exactly. So, but when he was young, he was doing a lot of really cool things and he was capable of anything. And this movie proves it. I want to see De Niro as a bad guy again. Yeah. Whew. All right. So what are we going to do with this list? Well, I want to keep Cape Fear on. I don't mind if Kiss the Girls gets moved off. Now, the reason Kiss the Girls is on my list is because I love it so much, but it, if we're talking straight thriller, it's got a little too much detective action in it. So I don't mind pushing it off. I mean, I would push it off because it's not iconic. Every other movie we've mentioned are iconic movies that like any cinephile, I don't care if you're 12, you've heard of them. But you're number three I want on the list for that reason. Like I want Basic Instinct on this list. Yeah, I think Basic Instinct being on the list makes sense. I'm happy to kick off the game. Okay. Isn't the game your number one? It is my number one, but it's less iconic than, to me, than even the Hand the Rocks, the Cradle, and Basic Instinct. 
I would put like Basic Instinct in the number one spot. I don't think it deserves the number one spot, but I agree it should be on there. Okay, so what if we keep it? What if we put it at number two? I like that. Primal Fear bumps to three. Okay, yeah. And then what's your number? You're moving the game off your list altogether. The game is gone. So it's basically so Primal Fear versus the-, the Hand the Rocks, the Cradle, because I agree Cape Fear. You know, at first it's on my honorable mention list because. I wasn't sure if it really was like thriller or horror. It it has this it really has interesting, yeah, and it's so violent it lends itself a little to horror. But you're right, it's thrilling and the, and it's a thriller. And but that means basic instinct, primal fear, and cape fear are on the list. Those are our three. Or the and the hand the rocks the cradle. The Basically, the we're cradle. talking: do we kick out primal fear or the hand the rocks the cradle? Hmm. So Primal Fear, I would guess, is the better movie. Yep. I think that both of us can agree to that. Well, I haven't seen The Hand the Rocks the Cradle. I, I think regardless. I, can... I would I would bet dollars to donuts it is. Right. But The Hand the Rocks the Cradle is a certain- It's more 90s thriller. It's so 90s thriller. Like yeah. when you think of 90s thriller, you think of The Hand the Rocks the Cradle. What if we go Kate Fear, yep. Basic Instinct, yep. Hand the Rocks the Cradle. So you think that's like you think it's so nineties it deserves that spot. I I do, yeah. Because we're I, talking nineties thrillers. We are talking nineties thrillers, and in this way, we have one of each type. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. All right, I like it. This is a good list. All right. In number three, we have the hand that rocks the cradle. Number two, basic instinct. And the number one nineties thriller is. Kate Fear. Good list. All right. We got some honorable mentions. Yeah. What are your honorable mentions? Well, I I mentioned Basic Instinct and The Game are both on there. I put Silence of the Lambs in this category because I almost feel like it's too horror. And it's, it's got detectives. It's got horror. It's a crime mystery. It is a thriller, yes. But I don't. Real, I couldn't put it in the top three thriller. I don't even consider thriller. it a thriller, really. And when I think of 90s thrillers, I think of something specific. And right, it, and yeah. it wasn't a part of that. No. Um, what was a part of that and just hedged out was Brian Singer's apt pupil. Oh, right. Yeah, I totally... That's a good one. That didn't make my list, but I didn't realize it was 90s, but you're so right. That would have made my honorable mention list. Fear... Just Fear is on mine just because... It's so teenager. It's like the teenage the teen- hand that rocks the cradle. That is so 90s. Yeah, it's so teeny bopper 90s. I sort of mentioned it. Single white females on my list. Me too. That's on my list. Misery, that's on my list. See, I've never seen Misery, so it didn't make mine. I gotta well, see it. Misery, I didn't. I, I also have not seen. How do these things make your list if you haven't seen them? I know. I know that they're really you good. Know. And I there I want to see them, so they're on my honorable mention. But that's why it's not in my top three. I don't know. Okay. And then my my last honorable mention was a time to kill. Nice. Good one. Good one. But I felt it was too court courtroom. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too not courtroom. The, not the primal fear doesn't have a lot of courtroom, but it has a lot of flashbacks. Whereas a time to kill, it's all about what's going on in this the KKK. Yeah, it's like the and, firm. It's like it goes lot. into its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's thing. like a, almost a John Grisham stuff. Yeah, I think it's based on a John Grisham. Novel. Which I mean, technically, I guess those are thrillers. They but they're definitely not the same. Are. That's they're, like a courtroom thriller. Yeah, they're not the same. Not the same. Oh, I needed this break. I just had a giant coughing spell. Yeah, you're not. Uh, you you look great. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna go down that lane. For all you out there listening, I basically almost died, 
Like, I, she looks fantastic for an almost dead person. I almost died. I spent like the past week in and out of fevers. I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. I have bronchitis. I have uh, an ear infection. I have a sinus infection. God knows. I'm in a soundproof room with her. And she has all these ailments. I'm I'm on I'm on antibiotics. She now, has the so antibiotics. I'm okay. But Help! what I really want to talk about is uh if you're in Toronto, you should come check me out at the Social Capital Theater, which is at Broadview and the Danforth. On April 20th, I am performing in something called fan fiction. It's pretty cool. Um She will not look dead. I will not look dead. Uh, basically, what we do is we find cool, fun, erotic fan fiction from the interwebs. Erotic, and then but this isn't like in a in one of those old porno theaters, no, like, is well, it? No, 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 no. We're going. People into can't Reddit. go into a separate room area. No, it's a freaking <laughs> comedy theater. And then me and my friend Justine Cargo, who uh, we're performing this together. We're going to bring this fan fiction to life. You are not going to want to miss Ivana reading fan fiction, erotic fan erotic fiction. It's going to be like a lot of fun. Uh, we should put the link in the description, right? It's totally there. Check it out. Yes. Shameless plug. In my day, we just called them there into webs the paper. This story is very near to my heart. I officially became... Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Are you okay? Are you going to be all right? Maybe Because not. your anger has... Like, you've elevated your anger levels to, like, high Kingston level. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just want to say that this past weekend, I became officially one of those old ladies who writes letters. You became an outraged mother. Oh, God. I became an outraged yeah. mother. Yeah. And your child... Was your video content. So here's what happened. Netflix used to have a five-star rating system. You could rate movies out of five stars. You really liked it. You kind of liked it. You liked it. You didn't really like it. You hated it. You know, you had a range. They took that away, and they have replaced it with a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Because... Five-star ratings are so yesterday. Is that why? That's what, that was their official statement. But the reality is, I think, because they don't want to say that content that they have on their system is bad. They've taken all that away, right? Netflix's prediction for whether or not you'll like the movie based on all the yellow stars that you're putting in. So when it predicts a one star, it's saying, I think you're going to hate this movie. And they probably don't want their content to come up as one stars. Right. They're like, oh, that's shitty. I don't want to prove to people. I don't want to say that something is a one star movie. And I guess some people didn't really know what those stars were. Like there was confusion in terms of is that red one star the aggregate of most people's ratings? Or is it what I think that this will be? And either I will fill that in with my own one yellow star uh, and most of the time, it, they were pretty close. They were so close. Like, a lot of times, actually, I got really upset because they never allowed the, like, half-star rating system. Me too. Because they'd predict, like, three and a half, and I would want to give the movie three and a half, but I had to choose, like, three or four. Anyway. And that's a, that's a big difference. That's a big difference. So they took it away, and I just, I got so angry 
that I literally wrote them a strongly worded letter. Ah, you went outraged mother. I went outraged mother. And what'd you say? Oh, I I had a lot to say. How Um, long was this letter? Like pages. Yeah, I wrote it in Word because they won't let you email your complaints. You have to give it to a chat person. Um, So it was two two pages in Word. Do you remember the chat person's name? There was an, uh, there was two chat I people. I want to think it was like Monica. It was two guys. There was like a... The first chat person I talked to t- informed me that I couldn't email my complaint. And the second chat person is the person I just put Unloaded on. Did you ask if other people have been unloading about this? They said that they're there to take in those that feedback and they'll put it in the appropriate channel. They're not going to put it anywhere. Actually, apparently uh, Netflix is good at that. So I advocate right now to anyone listening, if you don't like this thumbs up, thumbs down bullshit, please go talk to Netflix. Go even to the chat person and just say, I don't like it. Just put your vote in. Make sure it's clear. Because- it's so hard because there, if you're at 50% on a movie... You're not giving that movie a thumbs up, but it's rude to give that movie a thumbs down. Well, also, I don't want to give a movie that I'd give a three-star rating to the same thumbs up that I'm giving to a five-star rating. That's what I mean. Like, it's just not the same. Exactly. So give me, like, a meh face or something. And, and the other thing, too, is... You know those times that you don't feel like watching a movie that's like a five-star movie? Because a lot of times that's like heavier content. They're really good movies, but like you're not always in the mood. I I know. I'm not always in the mood. And so when you want to watch that three-star like comedy that's just mindless, I look for that three-star. Like if I, if I think it's going to be a five-star, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to watch this right now. Too heavy right now. Too heavy. What what Adam Sandler schlock can I put on? Exactly. And so it's kind of asking yourself, like, I use those ratings. Yeah, sure. We're not always watching. But you're never going to give Adam Sandler schlock, even though you watched it, a thumbs up. Now that's the problem. Before I'd give it maybe a three, maybe a two. Now, now what am I stuck with? Yes or no? Like, it's just it's too limiting. When you put that in, though, are you getting feedback back that's like you will you'll thumbs up this? I have informed Netflix that I will no longer be participating in rating movies. I used to be like hugely engaged. I would go out of my way to rate things, even if I didn't watch it on Netflix. If I've seen it before, I rated it because I knew it made my suggestions better. I knew it made the predicted ratings better. I've informed them that I will no longer participate in ratings. Well, right now I'm on Netflix and I'm wondering what I rate Riverdale. Yeah, Riverdale is a solid three and a half. It's it's not a thumbs down, but I can't thumbs up it. I think you kind of have to with this new system. And that's the worst part. No, I don't think I can do this. I think it sucks. Hey, shut up! It's trailer trash! You were angry. I'm angry. You're angry about Netflix. I'm angry about Netflix. I'm angry about Thor. I'm actually... I'm pissed at this teaser trailer for Ragnarok. Okay, because I'm pissed at this teaser trailer. Why are you pissed at this teaser trailer? Look, you know and I know that I am trying to avoid trailers. Which is hilarious because it's a segment of our podcast. 
You know that I'm trying to avoid trailers for movies I already am going to go see. I'm just saying, it's been very annoying for choosing trailers for this podcast. Okay, but this one, impossible to escape on all my podcasts, on all my news services. Everything is Hulk's goddamn face and next to a Thor Ragnarok teaser. Yeah. So I'm like, well, fine. They've already ruined it for me. Let me watch this. I'm telling you now, you have seen the best part of this movie. When you're sitting in theaters and they're trying to ramp the excitement up for you, you will already know and not have that level of excitement. Marvel has gone ahead and said, fuck it. They can watch the most exciting parts of our movie on a small YouTube screen on their laptops and we'll just take their money. Fuck you, Marvel. My experience is diminished because of this bullshit. That is so not why I'm angry. (laughs) You also showed me Loki in this goddamn trailer. You killed Loki. Thor thinks he's dead. Why would you show that Thor is going to see Loki in this? I agree with that one. Fuck that one off. I agree. That one should not be spoiled in a trailer. I don't really care about the Hulk moment. I, I guess I'm not a person who gets what, really what upset about- What are you angry about? About spoilers. You know what I mean? No, about? I know you're not upset about spoilers. So I hate it because the Hulk is in the movie. Yeah, the original Ragnarok story doesn't have the Hulk. Also, I'm just freaking sick of it. I'm sick of all these mashups. Like, I just want to see- one superhero with one villain. I mean, is that too much to ask for? You don't see this shit everywhere. I'm so sick of these stupid crossovers. I just want to see a simple story. Because when you put too many people into a movie, what happens is that you get less character development and you just have more plot. And, I mean, freaking look at Batman v Superman. That is what happens when you have this too many characters happens. and not enough plot. You basically took Hulk and made him doomsday. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it's just, this is a Thor movie. Do I really need to see Hulk in it? Yes, I get it. It's all the same universe. Like, la-di-da. I get it. I've I seen wanna, it. I'm sick I of it. I want to go and see all the connected tissues when it's a big-ass movie where you say they're all connected. If the movie starts with Thor, make it a Thor story. Exactly. And it's just like... I don't know. I, I, I didn't see the Hulk thing as a big spoiler. I so think it's just... I. It didn't bug me. To but me, it that's going to that be the there. most exciting moment in the film for people. So why give that to them now when they're on the edge of their seat? That's going to be the best part of any Thor movie, period. And you put it in your trailer, you spent your wad, and you gave us nothing about Ragnarok and what it's actually about. I guess they're kind of worried that people aren't going to watch it unless they give away this Hulk thing. But now that they've given that away, they've taken something from the experience. That's all I'm saying. And I think they're taking something from the experience simply by having Hulk in this movie. This is Top Drawer TV. I'm so excited that we're going to talk about an entire first season and not just the pilot. So we'll tell you right now, obviously spoilers. If you haven't heard Legion, you can just... Jump to the end of the episode now because it's the last segment. But before you do that, watch Legion. Just go. Just watch it. Just watch Legion. That's right. And if you're not going to listen because we're going to spoil the crap out of it, uh, next week we're going to talk about Netflix's series 13 Reasons Why. And also the whole season? 
all of the yeah whole- yeah we can talk about the whole season That's we're gonna fine. talk about the whole season so you know spoilers next week too so yeah so right now here we go legion Okay, so just very broad, we open in a psych ward, Mm -hmm. and our hero David is in the psych ward being treated for schizophrenia, and he meets a girl. Yeah, and his whole life he's thought that he's had schizophrenia, but in reality, he has telekinetic and telepathic powers. He has superpowers. Uh, And so he meets this girl, Sid Barrett, uh, played by Rachel Keller, um, and she has she's in the psych ward because she doesn't like to be touched right but that's really not why she's there no she is there because she wants to get david out and she has superpowers that's right her super superpower is that if you touch any part of her skin you flip bodies yeah and powers and powers so they accidentally flip and why she is now because in, he kisses her because he kisses her because they fall in love they in the psych in love. ward it it's is, so cute it is very cute and dan stevens is amazing and you really fall in love with him oh my gosh he is so talented i know he's fantastic wow. and he's british he's british wouldn't even know it that's why he has the british accent later yes that's right ah, i love it so he gets broken out of this ward he actually gets taken by this government agency after she, in his body, does irreparable damage to people in the psych ward. Yeah, she actually ends up killing his very best friend in the psych ward. Right. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, a character named Lenny, I guess. Uh, I guess you're never really 100% like, is it Lenny for sure? I mean, Yeah, we don't. It must be. It must be. Somebody died in that psych ward. That person was real and they died. Yes. I just don't know. If they're actually if a Lenny. If that person is Lenny or the man or the what. We don't know. Or the past friend Or the past Lenny. friend. We don't know what that person actually looks like. You can see that this is a pretty cool show it's just based on the fact that story. talking about who Aubrey Plaza plays is like a whirlwind of what? <laughs> so what ends up happening is... They take the girl out of the hospital, but really the girl is David. Right. David goes out of the hospital, and then they flip back, and David's sitting outside, and he's now out of the hospital. Pretty pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. The girl gets like, oh, my God, you're here? So she somehow breaks out of the hospital because they're like, oh, my God, we did something wrong. I guess. I guess. It doesn't really matter. So it doesn't matter. D- David's out. Then he gets accosted by government agency. They want to know more about him. And then he gets actually rescued from the secret government agency. By another secret agency, sort of. Sort of. A team. And in this team, his girlfriend is there. So that's why he trusts them. That's right. So then he is now with them. And he goes to this like secret compound and they have people with superpowers who can like go into his memories or go into his brain. They have an fMRI machine. So a lot of this film takes place in David's mind. And that's actually I did, why I said film, I love right? It. Yeah, whatever. It's basically a lot of the TV show takes place in David's mind. So it really is like at the beginning of this episode, I said mind boggling. It is actually mind fucked. Like they because you're in his. You mind. can do anything. And and actually, this is actually why I like this show so much. So it is totally superpowers. It is totally superheroes. There are fight scenes. But unlike most superhero movies, we're talking about thinking about minds, memories, consciousness, um, 
the ability to change reality uh, with someone's mind, the ability to go into other people's minds, and it's less fighty and a little bit more heady, and maybe that's why I love it so much. I think so. I think you do love it a little bit more, maybe even a little more than me. Definitely, I think I do. Um, I give this like a solid like four stars. Like four and a half to five, maybe. I, I figure. Uh, sometimes I feel like they've gone so far that I'm like, they just want to do shit now. Like, you want to have half an episode, not have any sound. Or now it's black and white for no reason, but you can do it because, again, we are battling in someone's mind. Oh, see, whereas all those things felt really organic to me, like, I loved that we went there. One of my favorite parts in the whole show, and this is a bit of a sidebar, was a random dance number that Aubrey Plaza does as the thing that's in David's mind. So there's been a parasite attached to David because of his power. And in episode seven, there's only eight episodes in this whole season. In episode seven, David teaches David (laughs) that this thing has existed. And here's here's the facts we know. You were given up for adoption, which is also an incredible moment in the in the story where I'm sorry, I lied to you like you you were adopted. And, you know, so he realizes all the steps that happened to get this parasite in him and why he was given up for adoption and all this stuff. And it's this amazing. And they're holding on to who his dad was for season two, which if you're like me, you totally know. But. Oh, I think a lot of people know, but we shouldn't say just in case. That one thing I think we should keep. I think it's a big spoiler. I think, uh, you know, it's this does exist in the X-Men world after all. So we should uh, hold off. But with that said, we've got David and he is on a chalkboard going through the whole thing. And he learns that this parasite's been with him forever. So it is go time. He is going to kick its ass. Right, yeah, season, I think season, or episode six is where he finds out about the parasite, that it oh, exists. Oh, yes, that he but finds out it exists. But then seven is when he figures out how to fight it. Right. Because um, season six is when you find out that the parasite is there, and, and it's been there for a while, but you don't really know exactly yeah, how Yeah, and I long. think it was episode five where David, like, the parasite took David for a ride and, like, killed a bunch of people. Right, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But season seven, or episode seven, it opens up, like, the parasites won, and now we're, the whole episode seven, I think, takes place inside of David's mind, um, most of it anyway. Uh, in the real world, they're all in his, like, former house and kind of frozen they're in time. Fr- they're frozen in time. There's actually, like, a bullet has been shot. And it's, like, gonna kill someone. It's gonna someone. kill someone. And, you know... And and so everything's paused, and everyone is now living inside of a fake reality that is concocted by the parasite in David's mind, and the parasite is winning. So the parasite has decided that the best way to incapacitate all these people is to just lock them in a in a psych ward in David's mind, and he's and the parasite's kind of given David his perfect life, like. Oh sure. yeah, a he's little bit. He's in a psych ward, but, but he's he got his, his girlfriend. girlfriend and he feels really like stable. There's also moments in the show where the parasite takes over David's body, and you don't realize that's happened. Yes. So that like he can give David things like, oh, I can't touch your girlfriend, but I can put her in a room where you have the best sex with her of all time. Right. And you'll love this and only want to live here. But really, the parasite's doing that in to her brain. Totally. And things like that are just 
Like that's fucked. <laughs> I I, I love and that's what I love. I love the thinking the through the wormholes. But back to episode seven, there's this scene where Aubrey Plaza has this like random dance number. You know, like we now know that this is all the parasite of Aubrey Plaza has like created this world yep. and Aubrey Plaza is winning. Everybody's like duped by it yep. basically. And so then there's this like really cool song and dance number and she just dances and and she like ra- dances and ravages through David's memories and it's really beautiful to watch and it's really artistic but it like in a cool way. I yeah, just, it's, I it's sort it. of it's sort of saying she was always there. Always there and it's just like Going through, I mean, they took a lot of risk and a lot of chances with this show. And I I think a lot of the times it pays off. The art of it all. It's gorgeous. It was so, first of all, the shots. I mean, there's a reason why you called it a film by accident earlier. Because so much of this television show feels and looks like a film. It is very cinematic. And um, the art direction, I mean, the 60s meets future thing that's I don't going really on, know what time it is, and I don't think you need to know. It, it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's, it's 60s meets future so that it lives in a place outside of our linear time. That's right. So then in the final episode, we get the, f- the big standoff, which is it's not that big a standoff. They kind of run at each other and both kind of knock each other out for a second. And but David's so powerful, there is no standoff. With a brain like that, there can never be a big standoff. It's not like he's just, he's won. He's trapped the parasite, but he also has to wear this weird, like, crown he, Yeah, thing. he's got this thing on his head that if you take it off, it's go time. Yeah, like if he takes the it parasite off. parasite will, will break out. Exactly. And so he's not really deal- dealt with the parasite. He's just won the battle. Until he knocks him clear. Yeah. With the help of Touch Girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. So they Touch Girlfriend takes a parasite for a split second. Then it gets passed off to Ninja Girl who can live inside a guy. Yeah. And then it gets tossed off to Weird Moody Eye Guy. Yeah. Until finally it finds its its place again in another guy with mind powers. Yeah. And it is the guy from uh, Flight of the Concords. Or Germain Clement. He was also in uh, Dr. Merengue's Dark Place. That's a really great show. Ooh, or What We Do in the Shadows, which I loved and you did not. I did not love that movie. Don't worry. We won't do a take two of that. <laughs> so the final scene of Legion, they're ger- you know, Germain Clement Jermaine Clement. How do you pronounce that guy's name? Is it Jermaine or Germaine? I would say Germaine. Germaine Clement is driving out. Oh, no. There is no R. It's (laughs) Germaine. Germaine Clement. And they're driving out. And you see that Lenny is sitting shotgun with this guy because she has found a new home. And season two. But did you watch the post credit scene? There's a post-credit scene? Exactly. Fucking Legion puts a post-credit scene on the final episode, and it's this little robot that kind of comes in and steals David. What? Yeah. It's literally the finale of that episode. If you don't, I love if you that. haven't seen it. I love it, that. I mean, nobody watches the final credits of a TV show. If you haven't seen it, YouTube it, because I'm sorry. 
They'll be going after this uh, parasite without David because David has been snatched. I love this. I love that they would do something so filmic as to put in a post-credit scene. Brilliant. But to totally change the ending. Go, Legion, go. So I, I really like Legion. There were some parts of it that I was like, man, this is going to lose people. And I think it may have, uh, but I, I loved it. I can't wait to watch it, actually, because uh, I watch it episodically. Can't wait to watch it straight through. I think like even more things are just going to fall into place beautifully when you watch episode by episode. Yeah, I, I watched it after it finished airing, um, and or maybe just before the last episode aired. Either way, brilliant. I mean, I love that I could watch a few episodes at a time. I found that... More than three at any given sitting was too much information. It is. You get a lot. I mean, there's only eight episodes, so they really, really give you a lot of information up front. Yeah. And I think that. And da- and David is such an interesting character. He's he such needs a cool so character. much backstory. Well, so much of the first season is about the backstory. I also want to mention uh, Katie Assel- A- Asselton. I don't know that if that's how you say her name. Uh, Who is she? She's his sister, Amy. Oh, Holland. from the league. She's really great. She's in the league. I, I'm. I actually really like her in the show. Seeing her in something I do too. not comedic is kind of fun. I know. I I really like it, and I'm glad FX kept her. If you haven't checked it out yet, and you're a superhero nut, definitely watch it. If you're not a superhero nut, still like still watch it because keep it going. Try this isn't so actiony. It's not your classic superhero story, no. and that's what I like about it. So, what did you think of Legion? Let us know. Did you stick through to the end? Uh, if you didn't and you listen to this you just got a whole bunch of spoilers join us next week where we tackle 13 reasons why on Netflix and that's our show thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next Monday if you would like to help us support the show we would really appreciate it all you have to do is hop onto iTunes or any podcast service and give us a quick rating and review bensound.com does our intro music and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about the music our talented voice actors and some of our sound effects jay and i love to hear from you so please don't be a stranger reach out to us via our website morethanmovies.net or on facebook at more than movies podcast email us hello at morethanmovies.net or you can catch us on twitter i'm at jester j i'm at it's Ivana. thanks again for spending some time with us we'll be back again next monday with an all-new episode until next time friends do more and watch more 